Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Have your Bibles turn to the 146th Psalm, Psalm 146. in this chapter but the message is going to go over all the verses very simply it says here Psalm 146 and 10 the Lord shall reign forever even thy God O Zion unto all generations praise ye the Lord you may be seated it's important to praise the Lord you know, a lot of times we'll start our Wednesday night services, Sunday night services, some don't do it a whole lot on Sunday morning, and we'll say, stand and praise Him three times. And if we're not careful, that'll get to be a habit. And it won't mean anything. We're not praising Him, we're just saying the words because that's what we do. But it's very important that we praise Him sincerely and truly from the heart. Uh, you look at these, this psalm that I read to you there, and it's the first of of five psalms that some refer to as the Hallelujah Psalms. And you say, well, I wonder why they call them the Hallelujah Psalms. Well, if you look at the first and last verse of all five of these psalms, 146 through 150, they start and end with praise ye the Lord. Yeah. Also, the last five psalms of the book of Psalms. So we see here that it's very important, as I said, that we, we praise God and that we don't get into it where it's just a habit or just a motion that we're going through. Uh, some of your uh, Bible scholars, some of your historians will tell you that uh, these five psalms were written during a time uh, that God's children came out of the Babylonian captivity and been there for 70 years and now they're back home. The, the walls are rebuilt. The temples are rebuilt. They're back to God's Word and, and obeying God's Word. And uh, the nation is reestablished and, and everything is, is going great. And all of these are written to praise God and to give God glory. Uh, when they would th think about where they were and where they are now, they could not keep from praising God. And you know, when we think about where we used to be and where we are now, it ought to be the same with you and I, that we shouldn't be able to keep from praising God and giving Him glory. Uh, you know, they knew that it was their sin and their disobedience that led them into that captivity, but they also knew that it was God's grace that delivered them and that brought them back to where their, their homeland where they wanted to be. And we also need to understand that it's through that same grace through God's mercy that, what, He called us out of a life of sin, brought us out from under that captivity that there was nothing that we could do about, and certainly, folks, He is worthy of our praise. Uh, he's delivered us from an eternity of suffering. He's delivered us from the bondage of sin. He's done something for us that we could not do for ourselves, that no man could do for us, as we'll see here in a minute, but yet God truly is worthy of our praise. And, and I want to just say three words here today. He is worth. Somebody said one time, great is our God and greatly to be praised. And folks, no truer words could ever be spoken. But I want you to look at what this psalmist said. 
And if you look at these five psalms, one of the things that, that, that's common to all of them, other than they're saying praise ye the Lord and exhorting one another to praise or, or to praise to God, is they're all by anonymous authors. We don't know who wrote these. So it could have been any one of those that had been exiled that came back. Maybe one of the prophets. We don't know. Maybe one of the, the spiritual leaders of, of Israel. But we don't know who wrote these. But whoever wrote it, they know that they had a reason to praise God. Now look at what the psalmist says here beginning in verse 1. He says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. So the psalmist here is calling upon the Lord, or not of the Lord, but upon his soul to praise the Lord. Now, if you think about it for just a minute, and there's been a few things mentioned here, we all know that uh, we do have tribulations in this life. We do have troubles and trials in this life. We have problems, and, and we go through valleys, we go through storms, we go through trials. And, and as Brother Melvin said, you know what? It's not going to be over until we leave this life. I mean, until we're in that, that presence of the Lord, we're not going to be uh, away from suffering or be absent from trouble and trials and problems. And folks, to, to just put it down where the rubber meets the road, there's sometimes physically and in the flesh, in the body, we don't feel like praising God. I've been there. If you say you haven't been there, you better check and make sure you tell the truth. But there's times physically, maybe in times of suffering, maybe in times of sickness, maybe in times of sorrow, maybe in times of, of, of whatever family distress or whatever it be, physically we don't feel like praising God. And the reason for that is because what's going on on the outside is impacting what's going on on the inside. If we forget about what's on the outside and look to the inside, and we know that we've been redeemed, that our name has been written down in the Lamb's book of life, we've been born again into that family of God, we've got a reservation in heaven, folks, and listen, nobody can take away from us. If we would look at it from that perspective, you know what will happen? We'll start praising God a little more, we'll shout a little more, and I'll tell you this much, even in times of distress and sorrow and suffering, if you praise God Believe it or not, listen, I've been there, even though I fell afterwards, you start feeling a little better about it. You start feeling the devil easing up, backing off a little bit. See, where the scripture tells you and I to submit ourselves, therefore, to God, resist the devil and he'll flee. Sometimes that submission to God is praising in the midst of darkness. Praising him. Listen, and how is that? He says, by, from the soul. Even though the body may not feel like it, the flesh may not feel like it, the physical man may not feel like it, oh, listen, let my soul praise God for all that He's done for me. That's what David was talking about in the 103rd Psalm. Yeah. What did he say? Bless the Lord, oh, my soul. And I like when he said this, and all that is within me. With every fiber of my being, may I praise God regardless of what's going on in the outside. And he said, praise the Lord or bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Listen, when we began to think what God has for us, folks, instead of what this world is doing to us, we'll want to praise Him a little bit more. Maybe, as I said, we'll shout a little more. We'll acknowledge Him a little bit more. In Sunday school class, we were talking about the children of Israel as they were on their journey. As Brother Slick talked there this morning, you know what? They began to complain and began to be upset. You know what? We're sick and tired of this manna. We want some flesh to eat. What were they doing? They weren't looking about what, looking at what they had. They were looking at what they didn't have. And if we start doing that, folks, listen, our, our flesh will get to the point when we start looking at the things we don't have instead of what we do have, it'll get this flesh down to where we don't feel like praising God. But we have far more in God than we could ever have in this life. 
Now listen to what he goes on to say there. And I'm going to look at verse 2. And there's something here unique. He says, while I live, will I praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. He's talking about two different things there. While I live and while I have any being. Think about that for a minute. So what he's saying here, while I live and I'm going to praise God, he's saying as long as I have breath in this earthly body, as long as I'm living in this world, as long as I live, I'm going to praise the Lord. Regardless of what's going on around me. And you've got to remember, these people are reflecting back of what they experienced, what they've been through, and the deliverance of God. And now he's proclaiming there, as long as I live, and as Brother Slick says all the time, as long as we're sucking air, we need to praise God and give Him glory. How old? Hey, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the sun. Praise Him always. And the psalmist is saying there, while I live, listen, the real reason for praise that we've got to understand is not what's going on around us in the external, but it's what's on the internal and what God has done for you and I and knowing that we have that reservation in glory. Even when this life is at its worst. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you right now, I struggle with the same thing. Even when this life is at its worst, folks, listen, God is still worthy of our praise. Amen. That's what he's talking about there, while I live. Well, preacher, what, what's the difference when you say while I live versus while I have any being? He's saying as long as I exist, I'm going to praise God. You see, we're going to live in this old world so long. We're going to live in this life so long. And this life, folks, no matter how long we live, it's very, very short, very, very brief. Listen, people lived over 100 years old, don't they, Brother Jack? People live, listen, we heard this morning in the 80s and 90s, Missy talking about her parents. And to you and I, man, that's a long, long time. But you know what James said? That this life is just a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. So the psalmist was saying, not only will I have breath in this body and I will live physically, I lie physically, I praise God, but even after I left this body and I'm in His presence, I'm going to praise Him even more. Think about that. Somebody said one time, boy, if you don't like shouting, you're not going to like heaven. I believe that to an extent. And I often wonder, matter of fact, it's one of the greatest songs I think ever written about it, if I, I can only imagine. What's it going to be like when we get there? You know, am I going to praise Him? Am I going to bow? Am I going to fall before Him? Am I going to cry? Listen, I think it's going to be a, a combination of all those things. You know, sometimes we, we imagine ourselves, you know, once we get to heaven, man, we're going to be hip, uh, skipping and hopping and jumping and, and praising the Lord and giving everybody high five. I think when we get in that very presence of God, we don't know what we're going to do. You go back to one of the prophets. I can't remember if it was Nehemiah, Ezekiel, Ezra, one of those after the Babylonian captivity was over and, and the worship began again. It talked about the presence of God yeah. was so great that the, the ministers of God could not even worship, couldn't even open their mouth because the presence of God was so great. Sometimes I think when we get in His presence, we're not going to be able to do anything but fall down at His feet. Oh, amen. Maybe we'll shout. I'm sure the shout is going to come. But the psalmist is saying, not only while I draw breath in my physical body am I going to praise the Lord, but also when I get in His presence, listen, I'm going to praise God. We might be able to stifle the praise down here. We might be able to hold it back and, and, and not give God everything that's due Him. But listen, I believe that when we get in His presence, you're not going to be able to hold back what God has for you and what He's done for you. 
So he's saying there, while I, while I live and while I have any being, God is worthy of our praise. Remember I said those three words. He is worthy. Now look what he says here in verse 3. Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. You know what he's saying there? Man is not worthy of our praise. And he said there, man is no help. Now, to get this in the right perspective, we've got to understand what that word help means. Because I'm sure there's times that you've experienced, just like I've experienced, I've had to rely on somebody else to help me along the way. Whether it's fixing something, whether it's getting taught how to do something, whatever it may be, uh, you know, mom and dad, a few dollars here and there along the way, whatever it was, that man, we've been able to reach out and we help one another. But yet the psalmist says here that man is no help. And what he's talking about here, when it comes to deliverance, Man can't do you any good. We can't deliver ourselves. I can't deliver you and you can't deliver me. The only one that's able to deliver there, and you think about that word help for just a minute and understand what the meaning is there. It means salvation, deliverance, or victory. And as I said, man can be helpful in, in many ways, but there's times that we've got to understand that we get to the point that there's nothing that man can do for us and only God can do. Yeah, there's people we need to give roses. You've heard that old saying. You need to give roses while they're doing it. You know, give roses while they're living. Don't wait till somebody dies to give them roses. Hey, we, we like to, to thank people and, and, and express our appreciation to people. And there's nothing wrong with that. But what the psalmist is talking about here, when they're looking back at what they, they went through, man could not deliver them from that, that, that place that they were in in Babylon. Man could not bring about that. It only came through and by the hand of God. So what he's saying there is man is not worthy. Only God is worthy today. And understand just how temporary we are. Talked about there a few minutes ago. Listen, I'm only passing through this life. You're only passing through this life. And I'll be honest with you. I like living. I do. I like planning things and doing things and enjoying this life with my wife, with our kids, with, with family, with, with you all, whatever it may be. But sometimes you sit down and you have this sobering thought. You know what? One of these days I'm going to be gone. And all of this that we worried about before ain't going to matter anymore. So why do we consume ourselves with worrying about it right now? We need to look beyond it, look above it, and praise it. Because, hey, they say we're only pilgrims and strangers passing through here, folks. And one of these days, everything, every single thing about you, about me, that's physical, is going to be gone. But yet He is what? He's Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's from everlasting to everlasting, and He's worthy of our praise today. Listen to what he says there. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. And look what he's saying there, very simply there, folks. Without him, we're hopeless and we're helpless. Yeah. Think about it. You know, I had a guy ask me one time, said, Preacher, you come to church here for quite a while. He said, Preacher, I don't understand something. He said, Sometimes you preach that I have hope. He was a lost man. He said, then other times you preach that I'm hopeless. He said, I don't understand. How can you have hope and be hopeless at the same time? And I had to explain to him what, what the Word of God said. Without God, listen, within ourselves, we are hopeless. 
Within this world, we are hopeless. But in God, we have hope of his salvation. We have hope of eternal life. We have hope of being born again and, and being forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's the hope for the hopeless. But just as the psalmist said here, what? Oh, Listen, happy is he that hath God, the God of Jacob, for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. We know that God is our help, and we know that it's in God that our hope lies today. And look at these few things, and we'll go through these verses kind of quickly there, but just looking at what he has to say about God there. First he says, which made heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that is therein. Talking about that power of God. Amen. I'm going to say something here I shouldn't say. Trust the science. Has nothing to do with what you think it has to do. But what does science tell us? And I'm talking about the science of man. Well, one day there was a, just a big explosion out in, in, in the universe and the earth and the planets were created. No, they weren't. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the psalmist reflecting on that power of God, not only did he have the power to deliver us from the, the, the captivity of Babylon to bring us back to our, our homeland and restore us, he is the one also that said what? Let, it, let there be, and guess what? There was, no matter what you want to put after that. He was the one that bent down and put a little bit of dirt together, breathed the breath of life into the nostrils, and man became a living soul. It all begins with the power of God, and because of the power and the omnipotence that he possesses, He's worthy today of our praise. He did what? He made the heaven and the earth and all that is therein, which keepeth truth forever. Let me ask you a question. Don't embarrass yourself. Raise your hand. You, 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 you want to be, be meek and humble. How many in here has never told a lie in your life? I know. You don't want anybody to know. <laughs> but he said here, God keepeth his truth forever. We, we've talked about here lately, it's come up on uh, maybe Wednesday night, Sunday morning, whatever, but, but there used to be a time that a man's word meant something. That you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt if somebody looked at you and they gave you their word and you shook hands, that there was nothing going to come into way, that it was going to come to pass. I can remember as a, as a young man experiencing something like this in my own family. And I know my dad had a first cousin that passed away and, and he was buried in a family cemetery there in Logan County. And, but, but in the years before he died, he, he had made an agreement with this guy and they shook hands on him. Hey, anybody in your family dies, listen, I'll bury them in this cemetery. When dad's first cousin died, he was buried in that cemetery. Guess what happened when his son died? They went to the family and they said, no, that was dad's promise, not ours. We're not going to let you be buried here. See, the word used to mean something. A man, and it went down generation after generation. Now you can go back here to the book of Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation and you're going to find that God's word is true. That you can count on it. Nothing is going to stop it. Whatever God says is going to come to pass. Matter of fact, you look at that Babylonian captivity. God told them before it ever happened it was going to happen. But He also told them that He was going to bring them out. So God's Word always comes to pass regardless of what it is. And we know that we can stand upon His promises. 
today because His words are true. Every promise in the Word of God is sure and it's steadfast. If He says, come unto me, I'll save you, He'll save you. If He tells you that He'll forgive you, He'll forgive you. If He tells you that He'll strengthen you, He'll strengthen you. He'll do everything that He says He's going to do. And that's one of the things the psalmist said that He is worthy of praise for because He keepeth truth forever. Look what He says in verse 7, which executeth judgment for the oppressed. Think about that for a minute. He helps the helpless. <laughs> Those that are oppressed that can do nothing within themselves, God brings judgment upon the oppressor there. Listen, you think about that. Just as He delivered Israel from that captivity they were in, He's delivered us from the, the captivity of sin. Yeah. The only thing about it, we didn't know we were being held captive. We didn't know we were in bondage. We didn't know we need to be freed until we got free. Amen. And then you begin to look back and you see the grip and the hold that sin had on you, that the flesh had on you because of sin. And we truly see that in Jesus Christ, not only are we free, but we're free indeed, as the Word says. So what does He do? He executes judgment for the oppressed. He giveth food to the hungry. Some people talked about that a little earlier here today. You know, the Bible talks about never seeing His seed begging bread. And folks, I've been one. I've been blessed. I've told you, I, I, growing up, I, by no means did I grow up in a wealthy family. And my dad worked in the coal mines. My mom never worked a job in the day of her life. She had a job at home taking care of seven kids. Yeah. And back then, you're talking about those days, coal miner wages were nothing like they were today comparable to other places. But yet we never went without I can remember strikes lasting months and months and months and no payday coming in, but guess what? There was always food on the table. Right. And as you said, sometimes you've got to look back and realize, you, you think, well, we were fortunate or, or what a coincidence. It was the blessing and the grace of God Amen. that took care of us. But he said he feeds the hungry, but let's take that a step further. Not only does he feed the physical, but he feeds the spiritual. Now, when we look at the Old Testament, I know Brother Slick brings this verse out very often, that the things that happened to them were examples, and samples or examples for you and I. Paul even mentions that, that they're what? They're for our learning, folks. That through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Yeah. And what you see here, a lot of times the physical experience that they, these people went through in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel and God's people, listen, relate to a, 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 a spiritual experience for you and I. God took care of them. Listen, He fed them for 40 years in the wilderness, gave them manna every day, whether they got sick of it or not, He provided and He'll provide for you and I spiritually today. Even in our weakest condition, God will give us strength through what? Through His Word. That's why I was said one time, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You know, I made this statement one time. Of course, I heard it before many, many years ago, probably decades ago. But it said, if we could look beyond the physical and see the spiritual, would we all look malnourished? We don't fail to feed the body, folks. And God has provided for the soul. We need to feed the soul as well. He'll, he'll provide that food. Amen. Not only that, but the Lord looseth the prisoners. He, sets, he brings freedom to those that are bound. 
You know, we know that Jesus came for one reason and one reason only, and that was to set us free. To break that bondage of sin and that captivity of sin, as we've said already. So the Lord looses the prisoners. He's worthy of our praise. He openeth the eyes of the blind. How many times do we see in the earthly ministry of Christ that the blind came to Him? Preached not long ago about the man named Bartimaeus. Jesus said, what do you want? That I might receive my sight. Yeah. We read of another one where he was touched and he said, well, well what do you see? He said, I see men as trees walking. Yeah. He touched him again. Then we see another one that he, he put a little bit of mud on his eyes and he said, go down to the pool of Siloam and wash and you'll be able to see. He went down there and washed and he could see. You know what I like about that event? <laughs> There's some people who say, ain't that the man that was, was blind? And, 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 and this, that's his pain. And he the one that was blind. He said, hey, I am he. Listen, he was letting people know he'd been touched by Jesus and he'd been changed. We need to let people know we've been touched by Jesus and we've been changed. But not only does he heal the physical blindness, he heals the spiritual blindness. He opens our eyes, shines his marvelous light into that sinful darkness that we might see. What does He do? Listen, He gives sight to the blind. The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. Now, do you first think that you think about people bowed before Him? That's not what it means. We actually could use the other pronunciation, bowed down if you want. And it means that the Lord brings relief to them that are covered up with burdens and, and, and are down. He gives them the strength to stand up and, and lifts them up in the midst of those burdens. So I think that's when Jesus was talking about one time, He said, hey, take my yoke upon you. What did He say? His yoke was easy and His burden was light. If we're not careful, we'll let the burdens, cares, troubles, trials, tribulations, whatever you want to call them, of this life bow us or bow us down so bad that we can't even look up. But guess what happens when that soul starts to to boil up. And that soul starts to praise. And that soul starts to glorify God. Listen, He'll lift us up in the midst of those burdens. Yeah. The Lord loveth the righteous. Yeah. Aren't you glad God loves Christians but He don't love sinners? <laughs> hey! Brother Jack done told you this morning He loves us all. And He does. And no greater love hath any man than this that he laid down his life for his friend. God loved the world. Hey, listen, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him. God loves us unconditionally and he loves us now. Think about this for a minute. He's not willing any should perish, but all come to repentance. You know, the Bible says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Yeah. And you know that He takes no satisfaction or no joy in the death of the sinner? Think about it. Why? Because He loves them. But I think when we're walking in the right relationship of God and, and we're born again and, and we're His children through Jesus Christ, listen, that, that we understand and we experience that love like we never did when we were lost. And we never realized that we were loved to that degree until we got saved. Not only does he love the righteous, he said he preserveth the strangers. 
God even blessed those that, that weren't even a part of Israel. Go all the way back to the beginning, folks. Even those that were outside of the chosen nation, those that were outside. Matter of fact, the book after book, verse after verse, it tells us that God is going to reach out to other nations, to the Gentiles, if you will. That wasn't something new that came along in the book of Acts, folks. God had already prophesied it. We know His Word is true. He'll never lie. He cannot lie. And He reaches out to the strangers there beyond the boundaries of, uh, of the nation of Israel there. And if you think about it, folks, and we preached about this, I think it was last Sunday when Paul talked about uh, at one time, we were strangers from Israel. We were strangers from the covenant. We were basically on the outside looking in. But now we're what? We're made nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. But thank God, He, he reaches out to the strangers, folks. Not only does He reach out to the strangers, but He relieveth the fatherless and the widow. You know, you see that group talking, uh, spoken of in other places in the Scripture, the fatherless and the widows. Those were two very special groups, to, I believe, to the heart of God because they always when you look through the Word of God, needed someone else to reach out and help. You think about it. What did God do? He sent Elijah down to the house of a widow that was getting ready to bake a cake with the last provision she had that her and her son could eat. What was her son? If she was a widow, he was fatherless. And God blessed them because she made the prophet the cake. Sent Elisha down to the house of a widow and had two sons. What were they? Well, she was a widow. They were fatherless. And what did he do? He listened, told her, go out and get the vessels, fill them up with oil. And then you come in here, you, you, you pour out, and, and, or these empty vessels, come in here, use your little cruise of oil, fill all those vessels up, and that oil will never expire in your lifetime. God took care of the fatherless and the widows, and He, and he sent those to take care of. A very precious uh, group of people to God. Groups of people. And the way of the wicked he turneth upside down. Preacher, you ain't looking at what I'm looking at. If you're telling me that he turns the way of the wickedness upside down, there's a lot of stuff he turned upside down today. Well, it's turned upside down the wrong way right now. And the problem is, once again, we start confining our minds and our thought process and our vision and our experiences to this life only. And we see things injustice going on. We see things ungodly going on. We think, see things so, so terrible that we could never imagine would take place in this world, within this country that we live in. And we look to God and say, do something about it. He's going to. Just not going to be in my time or your time. Be sure your sin will find you better. And the hardest thing for us sometimes to, 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 to settle upon and, and, and have peace with is that there may be some people in this life that they don't get the judgment for what they're doing until they leave this life. They'll skate, skate through and, and get by on every way to hear. But one of these days, they're going to stand before the righteous judge. And you know what's going to happen? The way of that wicked is going to be turned upside down. Listen to what the psalmist says here in the last verse. This is the one we read to you today. The Lord shall reign forever, even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations. Praise ye the Lord. He's in control. He will forever be in control. He is God. 
He will forever be God. Amen. He is worthy. He will forever be worthy. And understand that His Word will stand when everything else fails and everything else is gone. Three words today. He is worthy. Amen. We stand. Heads bowed. Eyes closed. Praise ye the Lord. Verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Verse 10. Had something to be praising the Lord about. And folks, that's not just saying I'm in the midst of trouble, trial, and I've, I've had this heartache and that headache, but praise the Lord anyway. Yeah. No, that's not what it's talking about. It's saying sincerely and in truth, praise Him, give Him glory, for He is worthy. Look at where you used to be and where you are. Look at the times past. You didn't understand how it was going to work out, but it worked out. Then you see the hand of God. And we go through experiences in our life. And let me tell you something. It may last days. It may last weeks. It may last months. It may last years that we're asking God, we're seeking God, and, and we don't see any relief on any hand. But you know what? He's not any less worthy. He's still God. Yeah. And then you get to that point that you see the sunshine. You're on the mountain. You're looking back in the valley and you say, you know what? The times that I thought I was forsaken it's the times that He was the closest. Yeah. He's worthy to be. Yeah. We need to praise Him. For the unsaved person, they don't get that. I didn't get it when I was unsaved. Didn't understand that love of God. Didn't understand that freedom that comes in knowing in Jesus Christ. You don't understand it. You can't understand it until you get saved. And once you say you understand, you've got a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That'll go with you all the way. That everybody else can turn their back on you. And he'll be faithful to the end. He is God. He'll always be God. And He'll always be worthy. Brother Jack mentioned this morning, we just kind of repeat, the altar is always open. Certainly for the unsaved. Certainly for the saved. Time is good to go back to an old-fashioned altar. Have a little talk with Jesus. Don't have to be for sin. Don't have to be to repent. It can be for praise. To give Him glory and to thank Him. Never be afraid. Never be afraid. To make your way down to the altar when you feel you need to go. today. Can't say it enough or express it enough. He is worthy. Alright. God bless you. Appreciate each and every one. Anybody have anything you'd like to add to the service? Any announcements we need to make this morning? Appreciate all that are here. Certainly appreciate the Lord. He's He's too good to us. Amen. Amen.
Uh, sometimes we get spoiled. When you have it too good, sometimes it gets you, gets you a little lazy. 